Episode 4X, Age of Steam Expansion Maps, with Ted Allspock. Hello and welcome to the How to Play podcast, coming to you from the How to Play studios in Buffalo, New York. This is your host, Ryan Sturm, and this podcast is about learning and teaching games. If you like the show, join and participate in our guild at BoardGameGeek. For more information about all the How to Play podcast episodes, the corresponding teaching guides, and the discussion forums, refer to the How to Play Geek list, for which you can find a link there at the Guild. You can also check out our website, www.howtoplaypodcast.com, where you can support the show with a PayPal donation, and I can be contacted at the Guild on BoardGameGeek or directly at my email address, howtoplaypodcast at msn.com. This episode is part of How to Play's X-Series. The X series will look at a game previously covered on How to Play and explore the expansions for that game. It may have an in-depth look at one large expansion or be a general survey of all of the expansions available for that game. Now let's get to today's episode. Hello listeners, this is Ryan Sturm and welcome back. In today's episode, we will be listening to part two of my conversation with Ted Allspock, noted game designer and particularly designer of Age of Steam maps. Ted has over 40 maps to his credit. This is the second part of the conversation. The first part was in episode 4W, in which we talked general Age of Steam strategy. And if you're unfamiliar with this game, Age of Steam, then I heartily recommend you go back and check out episode 4 and learn to play Age of Steam. And then these more in-depth discussions of the game will be more useful to you. But thanks for tuning in, and without further delay, let's get into part 2 of my discussion with Ted Allspock. In this part of the conversation, we're going to talk about some of our favorite maps, looking specifically by number of players and maps that are well-suited to various skill levels. Plus, I know Ted will talk about some of his upcoming Age of Steam maps, and you might be interested to learn about them as well. So let's get into it. So let's transition from talking generally about Age of Steam and let's talk a bit about some of the different maps. You know, this is really what sets Age of Steam apart is that it's more than just one game. It's a game system and each new map just sort of reinvents the game because wonderful designers like Ted Allspock here keep creating some some great new maps for us to play. So the thing about having a lot of maps is the reason you have to have a lot of maps is because depending on the different number of players and their skill level, you really want different kinds of maps. Yeah. So it's kind of strange too, because I think a lot of maps people look at, there's some that are definitely, you know, super, super hard maps. There's, there's China, which is a steam brothers map that is notoriously difficult. There's um, Northern California, which is uh, kind of a brutal one. Atlantis, uh, has joined that now as being a very, very tough, tough map. And you don't want to play those with new players because they'll get frustrated and never want to play again. But outside of that, most most maps, I think, you can actually play with, with fairly um, green players and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and play fairly well. It's the number of players that I think is a much more important consideration uh, when you're choosing a map versus the uh, experience level of those players. Do you put like a perfect number for, you know, what you recommend this map to be played with? Because I definitely feel that, you know, there's this 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 map's for four or this map's for five. To some extent, yeah. I think, um, you know, ideally, I, I mean, I would love to have all of my maps when they say three to six, that they work equally well. I know that doesn't happen. Um, 
you know, I want them to be functional with that because if you have three people and you really want to get that new map to the table, it should still work. Um, but I, I realize that there, are, you know, there's some maps that are just better with certain numbers of players. Um, you know, I know three-player Ireland a long time, you know, before I started making maps was, you know, kind of our go-to three-player map. And, um, you know, another guy who's actually local here who did the Japan map, is, he also made an excellent three-player map, although I think that has some some issues because uh, a one player tends to to win because the other two players are fighting too much uh, on that particular uh, map. But, but there are. There's a lot of maps that I think work really, really well for certain numbers of players. Um, and they're not set for that number of players only that said there are some maps that are a certain number of players only that do i think work exceptionally well why don't we actually Um, we can actually go through and uh each each number of players and talk about some of our favorite maps for that number of players but before we do that i think it might be important to talk about what do you see as sort of the differences that occur when you play Age of Steam with different numbers of players? You know, does the experience change from three to six? What are some of the changes that, that generally we see? Yeah, I, well, I think just uh, at a basic level, I would much rather play Age of Steam with, with five players than with mm-hmm. two or three, yeah. uh, even with maps that are designed for two or three. For me, I think that's a much better, more engaging experience. And I would even prefer six to two, and depending on the map, six to three. Um, I tend to like more players in Age of Steam because I like the competitive nature. I like the the fighting for actions and, and uh, area and cubes that happens when you have more players. Um, so, I mean, there's that particular aspect. Um, I think also with fewer numbers, there's less competition for actions. There's less competition in bidding. Um, and you kind of miss out a little bit on, on some of the things that I really like about Age of Steam. I completely agree with you. I, I'm surprised to hear you say that because you have a lot of maps that are, are designed for one or two players. But you know, I, I think that Age of Steam is definitely sort of in its purest form and its shining form with that four or five players. You know, sometimes I like six because it's it's really a dogfight as you're fighting for each you know piece of territory and each bid. Three players, I find, with the number of turns, you know, for maps that don't take those turns down, it's too long. And even with four, sometimes I feel that there's almost too many actions. I, I really like five. Four is very good, depending on the map as well. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I will play different uh, different player counts, but given the choice, four or five is where it's at for me. Yep. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think five players is probably the best if you have a suitable map for it. And even if you don't, even if you have a really tight map and five players, that can be a great time too. So let's get into playing with these uh, different numbers of players. And you know what? One thing I didn't mention, there's a really nice spreadsheet available from the Age of Steam page on BoardGameGeek. Have you seen that spreadsheet, Ted? Yes, I have. Yes. I think that's a very valuable tool just in seeing, all right, this is a good four player map, five player map and so on. This was created by Matt Musselman. It's a couple years old now, but it's still very valuable as, as most of the maps are on there. And so if you're looking for a four player, five player, and you could even go out and what I've done is, you know, just sorted through all the ones that I actually own and printed that out and kept that with my set. It's, it's a really nice resource. Yeah. So let's get into and talk about the different maps and maps that we really like with particular numbers of players. Let's start with solo maps. You can play Age of Steam solo, and I, I think you've designed most of the one-player maps that are out there. Do you want to talk about those maps a little bit? 
Yeah, there's just there's just two that I've done. Um, Puerto Rico and uh, Barbados are the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I've done any others. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's hard okay. to keep track. Maybe it was just uh, two. Well, there's business. not that many out there. Yeah, those are the only ones that I can think of, at least um, at least the ones that are published. Um, you know, uh, Barbados is 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 really good. I, I think that's that's kind of the the Age of Steam experience for a solo player. Um, that's you know, you're you're kind of playing the game, and you know, you're you're trying to see how high you can score, and the scoring's a little different. You've got some other sort of options for it, but you know, you get to choose actions, and it's pretty pretty straightforward Age of Steam, but in a solo um, environment, a very small map, of course. Yeah, I... um, Puerto Rico, on the other hand, is a puzzle. Um, it's a you got cubes set up, and you look at this, and you have to figure out where to put your track in order to get. You've got black cubes and red cubes, and one of them scores, and the other one doesn't. And um, you know you've got to figure out well, how am I going to optimize this? And you can kind of see the whole game in front of you, and it's really how are you going to go step by step in order to uh, to beat the game. Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, there's different difficulty levels for the numbers of red versus black cubes on that particular map. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed playing through the Barbados. I love the tagline for that. I can't see it's uh, when everybody wants pineapples. How are you going to make any money? Is that how it goes? Yes. <laughs> yeah, all those yellow cities. Yeah, it's it's just all yellow cities, and so the whole game is about deciding, you know, which color to urbanize the towns and and when to do that. And it's a really good experience. It reminds me of that conversation we had earlier of playing four different people, but it's a little bit different when you're doing these solo maps. It's a fun experience, but the challenge I find is I'm thinking, all right, on turn three, then I'll do this. And then turn four, I'll do this. And I haven't even done anything for turn one yet. So I'm just yes. trying to plan everything out all at once. And it's it's tough. Yeah. It's frustrating. But yeah. And the nice thing about Barbados, you've got, the, you've got the dice roll. So you've got, you know, things coming out. And so you're not sure exactly where the cubes are going to land. And so, you, you know, you can't really plan far ahead. Whereas Puerto Rico, everything's there. You know what's going to happen. You just have to basically optimized based on the cube layout. Now, you've done hundreds of two-player maps, from what I understand, right? <laughs> a lot. Uh, how, how many so, have you done? When I first did um, Puerto Rico and Barbados, I actually did flip sides for each of them. So St. Lucia was on the other side of the Barbados one, and Jamaica was on the other side of the Puerto Rico one. And those are two-player ones. Um, I won't play Jamaica anymore because a friend of mine, um, we played it, we were setting up at the booth at Essen and we played it like three times and he won every single time. And uh, I have refused to play it since then. So it's been like six years or five years or something since I played it. Um, but that's actually a super tight map, but I think it has a runaway leader problem. That's why I refuse to play it anymore. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, St. Lucia, on the other hand, I think is a lot of fun. That's the one where you have the cubes laying out all over the island. There are different colored cubes. Okay. And as you run your track across it, um, you can pick up the cubes anywhere that you own track there where there's a cube. And that was a fun idea, and I actually used that that similar mechanic in another map, uh, the Oklahoma, the Land Rush one that came out a few years ago. Yeah, I haven't played these just because I can't get a two-player game to the table. You know, I'm not fortunate like you to have a wife who wants to play Age of Steam with me all the time. We did sit down and play Scotland once, and that was that's a print-and-play map, and it, it's pretty good. It's it's a nice sort of basic Age of Steam for two players, so I, I, I enjoyed that. I also tried the Austria once, and that has some really strange rules. I remember us going bankrupt a couple times because we were trying to work our way through that. Have you played that one? Yes, yes. I, I like Austria. It's really tough. Um, but yeah, yeah, those are definitely, um, in the Scotland one's great because you can just print it and try it out if you only have two people. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of people that ask for two-player maps. Uh, the reality is, from the the big breakdown of statistics, that they just didn't sell as well. You know, mm-hmm. the one- and two-player maps don't sell as well. I actually gave away, um, well, not really gave away, but licensed uh, Barbados and St. Lucia to be included in the, I think it was the third printing of Age of Steam. Right. So there's actually a copy that came with that um, at that point. And it was one of those things just for a promotional opportunity for, for Bezier Games to say, hey, there's third-party maps out there. Um and uh, so, you know, a lot of people have that probably more than any other map just because it was included with uh, the third printing of Age of Steam. Right. So let's move up to three-player. Three-player of games of any game, you, you have issues. You know, there's always the three-player syndrome, it's called, because you have two players might duke it out for something, and then the third player benefits. And you, of course, took this head-on with your Trilon map, and you, and you did a really nice job with that. That's a very nice three-player map. Thanks. There's, yeah, that, um, that was as a result of there are so few... Uh, maps that worked well with three players and the ones that did and Japan's a great example where it's it is a good three player map but well, what happens is there's two players fighting one player wins the other player wins and that's frustrating um, I, the idea of making this um, perfectly symmetrical uh, three player map that you know it's really based on now where it is you know what you do it's not your position you know because everyone has the same opportunity um you know it's uh it's really up to the players to you know who can outfox the other players um as opposed to who gets the worst starting position or the, the starting position by themselves so um yeah yeah i highly recommend that map but you're going to have to like just paint over spray paint the backside because you know if you play it you'll be reduced to tears the backside of that is is atlantis <laughs> right yeah. yeah, yeah, and Atlantis is uh, probably you know it's it's one. It was the second map I ever designed right after the Bay Area map. Um, and uh, where was, where do you get all this was, evilness and and hate towards other Age of Steam players that you create these maps? You know, it's weird. the uh, The first bunch of maps that I did, and a lot of people will say that Northern California, which is kind of a redo of of Bay Area and and Pennsylvania to some extent, are all pretty evil as well. Yeah. Um, I think. I'm not sure. I, I might have just been bitter with uh, the people I was playing with, and he's like, "I'll teach you a lesson." Um, you know, you're gonna have, you're gonna take away my my cube. Well, I'm gonna make a map that's gonna make you cry. Yeah, and I, I joke about this because I I love really hard maps because what drives me to Age of Steam is the challenge of it. That um, you know that tension of not knowing whether or not I'm going to be able to survive, looking at the board and trying to figure out how I'm possibly going to make any money. And you've definitely created some of the more challenging maps out there. Um, we, we could transition over to four-player. Nor- Northern California is a map. Before we get there, I did want to mention Sorry? the one three-player map that I really enjoy um, is the Montreal Metro map. Right. Um, I forgot about that. I think that's, it, it's kind of a four-player map that uh, where one of the players is the government um but it, they did a i think he did a great job on there and it really works fantastically well for three for three players as well um they just have the the government kind of coming in there and and uh, the players get to act as the government one turn or uh, i think three times uh, each during the game to build uh, some additional track that anybody can use but there's benefits and drawbacks to using it so it's kind of neat yeah i haven't tried that one yet but i, I have heard nothing but good things about it yeah, and then we get to the very rich section of four-player maps because 
almost all of the maps out there can be played with four players. You know, a few especially shine with four players. You referenced that Northern California map earlier, and that's a map that I, I really enjoy. And actually, this is the only map that I've I've actually gone bankrupt in, so I have you to thank for that. <laughs> but, oh, good, good, excellent. <laughs> but it, it, you know that situation I was talking about earlier where you shouldn't put yourself in a situation where you only have one option? Uh-huh. Yeah, that that's about Northern California. <laughs> so, but it is yeah, a very so, challenging yeah. map. You look at it, the cities are very far apart. Uh, but it, you know, it's got San Jose, this monster city that you can interact with. It's got a few different elements on each end. It, it's a very interesting map with a lot of elements going on. It's very challenging. I I really enjoy that one. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun, and the, the original Bay Area one was actually even a little bit more brutal than that one. Um, and uh, the the fun thing about Northern California map, all the the cities that are pre-printed cities mm-hmm. are ones that where there are gaming groups in the Bay Area. Oh, okay. So um, so it's a fun little thing where you know if if you see a pre-printed city on there, it means they're there at least at the time it was printed five years ago, six years ago. Uh, there was a gaming group that that met regularly in that particular area. So that was kind of neat. So if I start a gaming group like in the middle of California so that I can get more deliveries on that map, would you would you like print a <laughs> sticker or something to make that map easier? Definitely. Something something in between Sacramento and Oakland um because it's a little sparse up there and the uh up yeah. Well, what other maps do you love with four players? Um, you know, uh, there's there's a couple that that I've done um, that you know you don't hear too much about because they're they're kind of specific. I think one of them is Secret Blueprints of Steam. Um, that one, it's it it was one of the ones that I was I did that was not mounted, um, and I found that anything I've done that's not mounted is played by dramatically less people, unfortunately. Right. Um, but that one, the basic concept is everyone has a map. That's it's very very small. It's like a single sheet of paper size map, very very small. Um, but you actually put up a little fortress around your map so nobody can see what you're doing. And um, do you provide fortresses, every... or do people have to well invent no, their own fortresses? Use game, use game boxes for the most part. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, everyone has like three game boxes around. It's kind of like when you're a little kid and you build up a little cereal fort <laughs> around it so your brothers and sisters can't see what you're doing. Um, everybody does that. And, uh, you know, you're you're all independently building, but you're going for the same set of actions, the same production chart. Um, and uh, it's very, very interesting. Um, you know, it's 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 a really unique experience. It works great with three or four players. It's a little better with four. It's a little more tension involved, um, but it's a totally unique experience. The other one, which is mounted um, that, uh, you know, I don't see people playing as much just because it is. It's one of the nastiest maps there is in a very different way. It's called Golden Spike. And the idea is that uh, you've got four players, and it only works with four players, two players on each end that are trying to build the railways together across the continental United States uh, to meet and you know put in that Golden Spike. Well, you've got two players on one end, two players on the other, and they can only build on their, their, their ends. They're working together because as they build more and more rails in this main um corridor that's going towards the center they're kind of getting bonuses they're opening up more cities they can deliver to they're they're getting additional things that they can do because of that and the the team that reaches the center first wins if there's a turn where one team reaches the center and the other team doesn't the team that that gets their first wins although they don't really win because that ends the game and the player on the winning side who has the most income actually wins so you've got this really weird situation where you're teaming up with someone through most of the game, and you're like, yeah, that's great. Okay, you do this, I'll do this, that's great. 
But towards the end, if you get there first, you have to make sure that you have more income than they do when you connect. Mm. And then, of course, one player is going to know they're not going to have more income. So they're going to try and prevent you from doing that and keep you just far enough away that uh, that doesn't happen. And it's it it's one of those things where people will they'll say, you know what? I can't beat you, so I'm just going to give it up and let the other team win. That sort of thing. It's just it is it's harsh and brutal, and it's one of those. It's it's as close to diplomacy as I've gotten. Where after a game, people don't want to talk to each other for a little while. So I think that's a lot of fun. Well, that sounds like it would be a big hit with uh, the Age of Steam players because you know we love all that trash talk and diplomacy and all that. You know, see the problem is when you initially describe that map, and what I've heard about that map is initially you use the terms working together and cooperating, which are things that Age of yep. Steam players are morally opposed to. <laughs> Uh, definitely, so. and that's and I think that's it's probably um, positioned incorrectly that way. But but it is. I mean, you've got you've got a bunch of turns where you're working together, and and the way it works is every time you deliver a certain cube, you deliver a cube to the main line, you grow another, you you basically reveal another piece of track that's preprinted on the board. Mm-hmm. And the more that you deliver there, the more you reveal. So it's your choice. Do I want to get an extra income, or do I want to deliver there to get closer to the end to make sure that we win? And um, you know you you're working with that other player and you're watching what they're doing and their income level and your income level. And it's actually really, really tense. But like I said, by the end of the game, people will just, they'll just, they'll sabotage their own team member because they realize, well, you know what? I don't want to come in second. I'd rather come in. I don't want you to come in first. I'd rather come in, you know, both of us lose. We're both in third um, than for you to win and me to come in second. So I'm going to sabotage this. And it's really, really interesting. Um, It's a lot of fun. I know someone has that one. I will have to try to get it out. Let me ask you about that, uh, the secret blueprints. I've always been curious about that one. What is the, I think people have always been asked about um, the honesty issue in that game. I mean, when people are moving all this stuff around behind their screen, there any concerns about, you know, people moving stuff that they're not supposed to, anything having to do with those sorts of issues? You know, I think that that just goes back to the people you're playing with and the gamers you're playing with. And, um, you know, it's it's a lot less fun to I mean, because it's really cheating at that point. If you're going to move things around, you know, after they're already been placed or, or adjust things after the fact or take more income than you're actually getting or whatever. Right. Um, you know, you can a lot of times after the game look back and go, hey, wait a minute, that's impossible. You couldn't have done this. Um, you know, you can actually backtrack it a little bit um, from that. But. Uh, it hasn't been a problem. Um, I know some people have said that that might be, but you know, for the most part, I'm, I would say that 99% of the gamers I play with are pretty honest that way. And any yeah. any cheating is more of an accidental, you know, I don't know how to do math, you know, making change wrong or or I forgot to do this sort of thing. You know, it's it's not really intentional. So um, I haven't seen that too much. Not- so maybe maybe we play with the super honest people. Yeah, there you go. Everybody's honest <laughs> in California. Unlike New no, York. No, that's that's gonna care. I'm saying gamers in California are very honest. Oh, okay. You know Yeah, yeah we, we have politicians and everyone else too. So the other thing I'm imagining is is you playtesting all four Age of Steam maps and do you have like a brain scanner to, you know, make yourself forget what's behind the other person's screen as how did you play test yeah. that one? <laughs> that particular one was one where, yeah, I just I had to know what uh, what, what other people were actually doing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a lot less self-testing that was effective in terms of that. That's uh, when I've done other games like card games and things when I do I do self-testing on those, too. Um, you know, that's kind of one of those that you realize that, well, you can't really test this for real until you get other people 
in place. And I think in that particular case, that was the situation there. Uh, a couple other four-player maps that I would mention that I really enjoy is there's Italy, which is a very tight map. You know, of course, you've got that long, narrow boot, and it's got all those crazy, all those crazy track. You actually get extra weird track that you can use. And also, the eastern U.S. and Canada is an extension onto the the base map, and it has a really neat sort of narrative arc as things build and build. You can build more and more track each turn. It, it yes. It's very interesting and unique. So I, I'd yes, recommend I trying wish, that. I wish it matched the the uh, original Age of Steam board yeah. better because that's always the big complaint we have in the group, which is like, oh, I don't want to play the Winsome board. It's <laughs> Careful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's that's it, and it is a personal preference, right. but it is definitely, uh, I know, uh, outside of I think something that could neatly fit on there. You know what? I would say the same thing about your your Vermont, uh, New Hampshire. If, if you could somehow create boards that had them, um, you know, that were jagged so you could actually fit those yes. states together, that would be wonderful. I've considered taking I scissors. totally wanted to do that. I actually I, I was talking to them about how much would it cost to uh, to cut this, um, you know, and I was going to make the two sides symmetrical and, you know, cut it. And uh, it was it was crazy. Oh, I, <laughs> I, was, believe I was like, wow, it was. <laughs> let's not do that. <laughs> so let's go up to five players. What, what are your favorites for five? Um, you know, I, I go back to um, probably uh, Germany. Uh, they're one of the original ones um, that I think has been a great uh, five player map. Korea, another original one uh, from Martin Wallace, a fantastic five player map. Um, some of the other ones, I think China, uh, that's the Steam Brothers map. That's a fantastic five-player map, too. I really like that for five. I would definitely rec recommend the China, like you said, especially if you like the harder maps. I mean, like you said, it's sort of notoriously difficult. But that is China is one of my all-time favorite maps. I think the South America, I'm not sure if that one's in the same set as China, but South America is, is nice for five also. It is, it, yeah. It has that El Presidente action, which is kind of neat, and the, uh -huh. one, the one blue city. That's kind of a fun map. Um, your America map. That's a unique one in that this is the one where players all start with a six train. Is that true? That is true. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, there's 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 lo lo locomotive action in the same fashion that it is uh, traditionally. So everyone has a six train, um, and you're just figuring out how you can build your track to take advantage of that. And yeah. the the catch is, of course, you only get one delivery a turn. Um, so that that definitely puts uh, the brakes on things. Yeah, that was one of the first expansion maps I actually played, and I was like, wait, this is a completely different game than the game I was playing before. And that's sort of just, you know, a welcoming to the world of Age of Steam, because that's what it's all about. You'll play a map and you'll say, this is like nothing I ever played before. So it, it's a very unique one. Six, when you've got a sure. lot of players, six players, what do you like to play? Okay, so for six players, um, you know, it's tough, um, but I think there's, there's two uh, that, again... Uh, traditional Age of Steam players, they scoff at, but Disco Inferno and Soul Train <laughs> um, are really, they are, Soul Train in particular for six players, I think is really, really fun. Um, I don't, have you had a chance to play either All one of I've those? All I've heard is there's some rule about singing. 
Uh, that's in the Disco Inferno one is you're not allowed if you if you sing you get penalized um, and that was that was actually we one of the guys in our group will sing anyway and it's irritating but it was worse when he sees all the names of the disco hits on there because he's like you know uh, just, uh, it was it was terrible so um, yeah there's a rule on there because of that so to prevent people and it's actually really hard to do because everyone's like, oh I know that song and they're like they'll hum something and start singing and you're like aha aha penalized. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of funny, uh, but but the the actual mechanics behind that that's that's kind of a very very minor thing. But mechanics behind both of those are really neat. The the um, uh, Soul Train one in particular, um, I'm it's one of those that I'm like oh this is so so cool. when I at least when I started playing it I was like this is so much fun. This is such a neat idea. Uh, the idea is that you basically start in hell. You're taking cubes from hell, which I'm saying souls from hell. You're moving them to earth. Once they're on earth, you take them up to heaven. Um, although the, the way that it works is the entire board flips. It's basically 50% larger than any other Age of Steam board mm-hmm. because the hell section, as soon as you've delivered um, all but 10 of the cubes from that section, it actually gets wiped. It flips over and goes to the top of the board and becomes heaven. Once heaven's <laughs> there, you have almost no time at all to get those souls from Earth up to heaven. And the network you've created down in hell to bring them up to Earth goes away, and you've already had to be thinking ahead of time how you're going to get things up north to heaven. It's really, really interesting. Um, a very, very different take on Age of Steam, but it works really, really well with a lot of players. Um, and again, I think there's a lot of misery that's induced. Um, heaven causes misery, oddly enough, um, for a lot of those people. So uh, it's that's really, really fun. And uh, the other side of that... Uh, which actually uses the, the bottom part of Disco Inferno is used as hell in Soul Train. Uh, the bottom part of Disco Inferno in the top, it's it's kind of this thing where you're, um, you know, in a Disco Inferno. Um, you're basically <laughs> taking, it, it's a very, very silly theme, but you're taking dancers back and forth to different discotheques. And uh, as soon as all the dancers leave, uh, the disco burns to the ground, um, just like in the, the song Disco right. Inferno. Uh, burn, and, baby, uh, burn. Oh, I just lost an income. Exactly. Yeah. And you've it, it goes away. It becomes a stop. So it's still a link, but you can't deliver anything to it anymore. So cities disappear from the map. Um, and it has another part of that 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 works really well with that, which is chain deliveries. So you know, if I have uh, six locomotive, I can deliver one cube for four. Stop in that city, pick up a cube there, and deliver another one for two. Hmm. Um, which is really, really unique and, and a lot of fun. So I think both of those are really good. Disco Inferno is probably a little better with five than six, but um, Soul Train is fantastic with six. I know when we started getting into Age of Steam, there was a lot of resistance between before uh, going to those those more wacky theme maps, such as your your disco maps, and there's you know there's yeah. uh, different planets. Uh, you know, do you see that as far as you know when you put out a map that isn't you know some state in the u.s or somewhere in europe do you, do you not yeah, see those move you know, as well if I, if I look at sales and i look at you know the the disco inferno people who have played disco inferno disco inferno in particular people seem to really like you know it's rated well people really mm-hmm. like it it doesn't sell well i mean first of all it's paper that's bad but uh because of the theme some people just will not play it on the flip side um you know i feel a little i don't know almost uh, dirty when i released america in europe because I mean, can you get more generic than a map called America and a map called Europe? Uh, and, you know, part of it was on purpose. I was, it was, you know, I'm like, well, if people didn't want to buy something that's as crazy as Soul Train and, you know, JC's uh, Sun map, um, you know, and Albin's the Moon and, you know, other maps like that, uh, are they going to be uh, 
the opposite when they get to something that's so generic as American Europe. And it turns out that is the best-selling map outside of the, the first one I did, the Northern California and uh, 1830s Pennsylvania one, but only because that one has been out for an additional couple of years. But yeah, um, you know, every year at Essen, people who are new to Steam and Age of Steam, they pick up that America Europe map. And yep. uh, you know, it just it makes them feel comfortable because they're they're familiar with that. So it definitely, you know, I, I know, you know, the maps that I'm doing this year, um, there's one that's out there, and there are two that are pretty straightforward. Okay. Uh, you know, they're fairly normal. So uh, the, the one that's really normal is Australia and Tasmania. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's got some really interesting mechanics, um, and it's fun. But, you know, it's Australia and Tasmania. It's not that exciting. Uh, the next level up from that is African Diamond Mines and Taiwan Cube Factories. That set of maps is actually the most novel in terms of the actions and, and how you play on that map there's a lot of things especially diamond mines diamond mines is kind of messes with your head entirely because the deeper you go into the mine the more valuable the cubes are and it's not really based on links it's based on the depth and you've got this uh, uh another counter in addition to your locomotive called depth which uh you know determines how far de- deep you can dig to get diamonds and bring them to the surface um and so there's a lot of weird things going on there but because it's called african diamond mines and taiwan cube factories which is um, palatable mm-hmm. it'll do better than the last one which has m- much more normal changes which is uh outer space and reverse steam and uh outer space i think it's so much fun uh that there's there's really two big rule changes the one rule change there's there's a wormhole that lets you go it's basically a city that you go into the city and you come out the city on the other side just as you would expect a wormhole right. to be uh the other thing though that's really unique about it is that in order to deliver a cube to a city it needs to have a straight tr- piece of track going into it. Oh, if it's a curved piece of track, okay. just loop right around it, as you would expect. As anyone familiar with space travel knows, no, you're just going to accelerate right around that, and you're not going to deliver. So a yellow cube doesn't necessarily go to a yellow city unless there's a straight track going okay. into it. And that really changes a lot of how you think about Age of Steam, because suddenly you can set up a network with a bunch of cities and pass right by it if you're going in the right direction and you have the right uh, track set up. In addition, you could also set it up so you can never deliver anything because you've got too many curved pieces of track going into this. So you can skip um, and, over and, cities if they have curved track is what you're saying. Exactly. If you enter a city on curved track, you go right past it. You don't land there. If you go on a straight, you you stop hmm. uh, if, it's the, if it's the right color. Um, so that's that's unique and kind of fun. And, uh, you know, it's a little change. So it's. I mean, the, the, the rules change is very, very little for that, but it's, it has a big impact on play. Uh, on the opposite side is the, the everyone's favorite, you know, the standard HFC map, the Great Lakes map, Rust Belt, however you call it. Uh, but it's flipped. It's a mirror image of that. Um, all the cities are in the same place. Uh, everything's there except that it's flipped. And the big difference there, which is one of those things that sounds really unusual, but not that hard until you've played it, is that... It works exactly the opposite way that uh, Age of Steam does in terms of delivery. You can't deliver a, a yellow cube to a yellow city. It gets delivered to every other color. Oh. So how do you make any money? So, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the key. There's actually a thing with black cities. You can go through those as well because it just didn't work for all the different colors. But um, it, it's a very, very different thing. But it's the, the map looks really, really boring <laughs> by itself. You're like, oh, that looks like. Uh, a mirror image of the Rust Belt map that everyone knows, but it works totally differently. Great. So that's kind of fun. Uh, well, so 
those are that's a good preview of some of those maps that are coming out. I'm looking forward to trying some of those. Definitely, they sound very unique. It, it's interesting how you know these designers can keep tweaking this system in different ways that we haven't seen before. Do you think that there's a, a lot more life, a lot more changes that you can make to this system? I think so. I mean, I've got um, probably about at least a dozen maps that have some sort of changes, combinations of existing things or some other things that are, you know, in various forms of development at this mm-hmm. point. So, you know, that's, you know, at the current rate, that's a year and a half worth. Um, so they're, they just keep coming out and people, you know, as long as they're going to keep buying them, um, you know, I, I don't think there is any real limit. And, you know, the Aegis Team system really, you know, by providing maps with these little twists to it, you can do all sorts of things. Um, and those are, you know, for most of my maps, I've, I've pretty much settled down to try to do uh, one or two key changes without a lot of, you know, a lot of things right. going on. Uh, if you look at like uh, Albin Viard's map, I mean, he puts in some crazy, crazy stuff in there. Um, you know, it, New York subway or, um, you know, the, the, the Russian map. Um, some of those things are just out of control. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of the, the number of changes and the, the difference that you know, I mean, it's you're still playing Aegis Team at this point. You know, certainly the New York subway map is one of those that it's so different that it's almost not like Aegis Team at that point. Um, it's but it uses the same components. So I think there's a lot you can do. Um, you could do a lot without straying too far, um, but you can also you know keep going and use the same components that you have for Aegis Team to make an entirely different experience if you want. Yeah, to. that's the thing is it's amazing what you can do with just a few small rules. Sometimes when there's so many rules that it, it can really be hard to keep track of, um, you know, following all that when you got to have a whiteboard to write down what all the different rules do, you know, it, it could just yeah. get out of control. So if we get back to, let's wrapping up our discussion of, of maps with different players. If we have with six players, you said you liked, um, Disco Inferno and Soul Train, any, yes. um, non Bezier maps that you like? Um, I'm trying to think, I think uh, Western us is probably really good for six. Um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, uh, a runaway later issue with that sometimes, but, uh, I definitely have played that a lot with six. And Some of the it. steam brothers maps. I know, uh, I actually had the privilege of being beaten down by one of the steam brothers at uh, WBC. And they told me that they, their groups are generally larger. So their maps are typically designed for five or six. They have a few, I think that, that will work for six India, Mexico, Northeast USA. Um, you know, they're pretty yes. good for, for when you do have six. Do, do you yeah. like age of steam with seven or eight? Uh, well, I, I mean, we have the one, um, there's, there's only a couple maps that actually work that right. way. So there's Netherlands. And I think the only other one that works that way is the uh, central new England that works with seven. That's seven. Right. Or eight. I think that's I don't know it. If there's anything else. Yeah. So I played Netherlands. I think it's, it's super clever because it's such a small app. You're like really seven people on here. Um, and that works really well. Um, but, uh, you know, central new, new England is a ton of fun. Um, you know, there's, there's more rules that I normally would have. Uh, but I love the idea that it's kind of the reverse where you, ha- you have to, you know, you have to deliver stuff over the border. Nobody wants the goods that are produced uh, within the state. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to export everything and uh, forcing everybody to do that. They have to create this network that goes across state lines. And, uh, you know, it works you know, as long as you have the extra components. It actually works with uh, seven or eight people. And so uh, those were fun. And it's rare that we have seven or eight people to play, but uh, to play Age of Steam. But um, that's we have a lot of fun with that when we do. 
So if we're looking at, we're talking about masks for different skill levels. If we have some people who are newer to Age of Steam, uh, are there particular maps that you would recommend for them to get started with? Or either that, or if you have players who want a couple maps around for introducing new players and they, they get tired of playing the Rust Belt. Now the Rust Belt, granted, is a fantastic map and I could probably play that 50 more times, but it's good to have some other things on hand. So what would you recommend? Yeah, so one thing I would not recommend um, for new players is France. I think when France came out originally, it was touted as, ah, oh, this is a great beginner map. And uh, it's actually not. It's actually, I think it's really a mean little map with the uh, forest uh, action or, or uh, functionality or the rule that's in there. Uh, that one is not good. Uh, I think once they've graduated from, if, if you played Rust Belt even just once, I think there's a lot of uh, maps that have just minor, minor rules. And certainly those first, um, the expansions one and two from uh, Warfrog that, that uh, John Bohr and Martin Wallace did, uh, England, Germany, I think those are great ones. I mean, the, the misprints on Germany is unfortunate. Um, but those are really nice ones to kind of get started with. Uh, Mississippi Steamboats is another one that I think is a really good um, map that it has one major change in that the cities float up and down the river. And uh, outside of that, it's basic Asia Steam, hmm. oh, which is kind of nice. Um, some people initially thought that's too random, and I think that's maybe why some people don't play it, because they think it's random. But it's actually very predictable. Um, you're using two D6s to roll, so you know, you know you have a pretty good idea of what the spread is and where things are going to move uh, over time. And uh, it's really interesting to, uh, to see your little town, your little city tiles going up and down their river and being able to deliver to them and across them on the Mississippi. And uh, it's, I think it's just enough to get people to go, oh, there's really some really interesting ideas here for um, Age of Steam. So why do you think uh, France is a bad map for newbies? I actually had that listed down as a map I thought worked well. It does have that emergency share rule. It's got that uh, city that, you know, it's got Paris. It has a lot of cubes. You can make a lot of deliveries there. Why would you recommend that not for newbies? Yeah, I, again, it's it's been a while since I played it, uh, but I believe there is the it's some sort of incredible expense along with the um, the uh, the forest mm -hmm. uh, in there. And wow, it's it's just been it's it's been a while to know exactly what it is. But I remember playing it and going, ah, oh, this is this is not what I would want as my my ex first experience outside of Rust Belt. The Vermont and New Hampshire, I found with either of those maps that you can. Definitely, you can. It it doesn't seem as hard to get out of out of debt with some of those maps. So those might be decent starters. And I know New Hampshire. It's kind of yeah. nice because you can't use other people's track. And with beginners, that might be sort of a positive. Sure, I think initially it might be. Um, it certainly is with experienced players. It's a very very mean map um, because you have people not doing their typical contiguous sections of track. They're just going and going. You know what? I see what you're doing down there. I'm going to connect these two cities so you can't right. do it. And, uh, you know, one or two pieces of track can totally screw someone else up um, if they're placed in the middle of their network. And suddenly you're getting one income, you know, uh, per turn from that person because they have to use your track in order to, to continue their network. So um, that's really interesting. Now, the lower right and the upper left on that map on New Hampshire, it's it's one of those they're like really hot spots okay. um, to, uh, to, to get. The... 
Steam Brothers, some of the Steam Brothers I mentioned earlier, I think, don't have too many rules changes, and they're, they're pretty nice. Um, South Africa is one of them. It actually gives you money when you connect into cities, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I like um, India. Is India the one with the monsoon, I think? And you know, that's yes. really the only change. And so I think India and South, South Africa would be good starter maps as well. Sure, sure. So, um yeah, and, you know, it really depends on the players. Um, and, you know, I think I know some people who they want to they just want more stuff and they want more changes. And um, I, it depends on the, the age of Steam players, where they are in terms of being able to absorb new yeah. rules. Um, and that that has a lot to do, I think, with the map choice, because some of the maps, um, they may not be hard, but they've got a lot of rule right. tweaks. And keeping track of all that initially when you've just learned Age of Steam can be really difficult. So we'll go look at the other side of the spectrum. I know we've talked a lot about uh, a few of these. What do you think? Let, let's go. Number one hardest Age of Steam map of all time. What is it? Um, I'd have to say, well, again, it's a number of players things, but Atlantis with six players oh, is... Don't do that. Is, it's, Why would anyone <laughs> want to do that? That's terrible. <laughs> It, it, it almost guarantees that someone will leave the game. Um, it is it is player elimination, and uh, that is I think that is for me that is you don't want to be that right. player. And you're just like, you know, what do I do to not be that? I may be miserable and not be very profitable, but I'm not going to get eliminated. Darn it! You could play and, Jamaica uh, with so, six players. That would be challenging. Yeah, that would be very very challenging. <laughs> um, you're, outside of that, your Sahara <laughs> Desert is right up there. That is a cruel cruel map in which you have to kill a you have to get a blue cube to make a delivery if i'm remembering yes and uh certainly with uh you know it's the the map size changes based on the number of players you don't play with some off to the right if you have a smaller number of players but um yeah those cubes go pretty quickly and uh, if you don't position yourself i mean my strategy for that is pretty straightforward it's get the blue cubes early and don't right. use them um, it's save them up because I don't want to pay $5 per delivery later on. And I know that I, it, it's, I don't know if I want to be able to pay so much in the auction to get the free water delivery. Um, so I don't have to use a blue cube. So hoarding those blue cubes early on, getting into a bunch of towns and still figuring out how to make deliveries, uh, early on in the game is, is definitely key. But yeah, that is, that can be super, super harsh. And we already mentioned North California is, is a pretty difficult one as well. Yeah. Yes. China yeah, as definitely. well we talked about. That's another yep. tough one. Uh what about uh a crazy your craziest map, your favorite wacky or innovative map out there, whether yours or, or somebody else's? Uh well I, I think it's I like the moon. The moon is certainly one, you know, I like the the wrapping. I wish it was there was some better way to do it besides the little letters on the edges that you have to match up to determine where your track goes. But uh I like that idea that it's a you know, a circular map. Uh, it happens to be a flat piece of paper, but the track wraps everywhere. That's really fun, and it kind of hurts your brain in a lot of ways. Um, the new one that's coming out, um, that's the bonus map called Disoriented Express. Um, I don't know if you've seen pictures of it yet, but th there's not going to be very many rule changes on it. But the one thing that is weird is that um, a lot of the tiles are connected to each other, not side to side, but by track that connects through kind of a gap, and it kind of turns. And, and so far in playtesting, it's been one that people have 
just they just stare at the board and they get this look on their face like I, I i don't understand i don't know how to make i can't even you know they can't even count their uh, their links they're like okay hold on no don't talk don't talk i'm really focusing i want to make sure i have this it's a three delivery and you're like really for three and they're like it's yeah, quiet don't stop it you get sadistic um, so pleasure that, out of breaking uh, people I'm, I'm starting to understand is this your map uh <laughs> yes yes uh it is a, i think it's a lot of fun it's one of those that's you know, again, it's a bonus map, so there won't be a lot of them out there. But uh, it's really, really neat. It's it's going to be a lot of fun, and it looks cool too. It's got this neat look with all this track uh, intertwining and going back and forth uh, over across itself. Yeah, you mentioned the moon. I really enjoyed that. Of course, you have the spherical, but I think one of the more interesting innovations of the moon is not only the spherical, it's got this dark side of the moon mechanic where half yes. the world is black for one turn and the other sides are uh -huh. normal and they, they are the only ones that produce cubes. And then it flip-flops. The other side of the moon, all the cities are black. And then the left side, they're the normal colored and they and they um, produced cubes. So you have to like time your movements on each turn. I, I think it's brilliant. I love that moon map. Yeah. Except that nobody has ever called out um, Albin on the concept that the same side of the moon is always dark. That doesn't actually change. <laughs> Why do you got to be that guy who's got to like... I know, I know. It's just, you know what? What's funny? That's, that's, for, that's me getting back for all those people who go, hey, how come such and such city is here uh, when it actually should be maybe in this next text or it's too close to something else? And, you know, there's so many accommodations you have to make for gameplay. You know, for a lot of these things that these the cities, you know, if you're using one of these instead of Google Maps, um, you're in a lot yeah. of trouble to find your way. Around. We don't want to start to get into uh, uh, thematic explanations for various uh, Age of Steam mechanics. So we'll be here for a long time. I, I am very much ready to defend Disco Inferno and Soltrine <laughs> if necessary. You know, the, the other crazy one that you just put out was that Amazon Rainforest. And I played that and I had no idea what game I was playing, but it was not Age of Steam. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that that is that's one of those that, again, it's not much of a twist, really. I mean, it's just, OK, cubes are now worth they're not worth the number of links you deliver. They're worth this amount that's on this chart. And that's such a different concept because you're so used to counting your links in Age of Steam. You got to count right. your links to be able to get from there to there. And uh, that's such a weird uh, again, a brain twist on, on how it works. So, uh, yeah, that's very unique. Well, I think that's a very good survey of all the maps that are out there, you know, that the problem is the availability of some of these, you know, goes in and out. And one thing I appreciate about your company is you're pretty good about keeping things at stock and having them at reasonable prices. Um, so if people want to get maps from your company, where do they get them, Ted? They can go right to www.beziergames.com and order, and uh, you get free shipping if you order directly from me. Um, if for some reason I'm out of something, you can always go, like I said, Boards and Bits is a great place for them, but lots of other places, fun again, um, time well spent, lots of other places carry Age of Steam maps. Too. All right, so I am, I just have the base map. Let's pretend I'm you know new to Age of Steam, and I'm looking for a few new expansion maps, and I go to your website. Uh, what... Two or what? Give me uh, your top three maps that you'd recommend to me. Um, I'd start out definitely with uh, um, America and Europe. The minimal, and certainly Europe has very minimal rule right. changes too. And I think that's that's a, a good one to to get started to understand. Oh, we can do this, and it makes those changes. Uh, again, Mississippi Steamboats and Golden Spike um, is a great one to really let you realize that things are totally different. In terms of the new maps that are coming out there, the Outer Space one for me is it's it's my current favorite of all the new ones because it's just 
it's one of those mind bendy things that it's it's not a, a hard mind bendy. It's a fun mind bendy. It's like, oh, now I can do this, and I, it opens up possibilities you never had before, which is really right. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so America, Europe, Mississippi Steamboat's Golden Spike, and then the new Outer Space and Reverse Steam. Great. Well, I have to thank you so much. We've been at this for about two hours recording this, and uh, you know, hopefully it's been a, a labor of love for you as well as for me. I mean, I've, I've just been in heaven talking about my favorite game over these last two hours. No, this is great. Um, yeah, talking about Age of Steam with someone who actually wants to talk about <laughs> Age of Steam. That's a do you sim do you like myself submit a lot of people to talking about Age of Steam? Like for example, my wife who really would rather not talk about Age of Steam. Uh, not too much. <laughs> um, you know, I, I fortunately I know enough people who like Age of Steam that I can keep it confined to them. And then I also have the benefit of when I sell games at, at places like Essen. Right. Um, you know, I get to talk to people about the the games and. You know, four days of uh, going through all, you know, someone says, oh, what's different about this map? And telling them, and you can see their eyes light up and go, oh, really? You know, that happens? And, you know, that's that's really fun. Well, I think we should we should probably wrap this up. Uh, I'd like to say thank you one more time. Maybe, you know, in, in a few more years when a bunch more Age of Steam maps come out once again, maybe, maybe we can get the chance to do this one more time. Yeah, no, this is great. Thanks for being on the show. Well, that was it. Again, another big thank you to Ted for talking with me for almost two hours about Age of Steam. Ted's a very nice guy and does a great job designing those maps. So if you enjoyed this conversation and if you enjoy Age of Steam, I heartily recommend you support his company, Bezier Games, by going directly to his website and purchasing a map or two from him. Bezier is spelled B-E-Z-I-E-R games.com. And if you enjoy my work here at How to Play, please consider making a PayPal donation at my website. That'll wrap things up for this special double episode of Age of Steam. I'll be back with a regular episode, episode number 30, sometime in August. It looks like the episode will be toi. So look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Ryan Sturm of the How to Play Podcast. One, two, three, four. This has been Ryan Stern for the How to Play podcast. How to Play is written, recorded, edited, produced, promoted, and financed by Ryan Stern. How to Play is not affiliated with any game vendor or game company. If you like How to Play podcast, I count on you to support it. You can help out by joining and participating in the guild, donating financially to the show, writing reviews or rating the show on iTunes, help talk up the show in your game group or on the forums at BoardGameGeek. We have no contests, no gimmicks, no advertisements, no plugs to game websites or companies. All of the show's content is free of all bias, save for one, my own, and that is due to your own continuing support. Please consider supporting the show in some way today. I love to hear feedback from you, and I can be contacted through our discussion forum on the Guild at BoardGameGeek, or I can be emailed at howtoplaypodcast at msn.com. This podcast's home on the web is www.howtoplaypodcast.com. Thanks again, everybody, and until next time, I hope you will learn, teach, and play great games. Thanks for listening. The How to Play podcast is part of the Dice Tower Network, the premier board gaming media network featuring Ludology and the flagship podcast, The Dice Tower. For more information on these shows and much more, please visit www.thedicetower.com.